This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Good morning, I'm Jim Lang, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, before we proceed with the show, we would be remiss in not offering our condolences to the royal family in the passing this week of the Queen, who... As we have spoken about in the past in the show, was a major supporter of the horse racing industry. She will certainly be missed. Well, today on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, friend of the show, Brad Grant will join us. And Brad, if you're not aware, owns one of the top standard breads currently racing a pacer by the name of Bulldog Hanover, who last week added the Canadian Pacing Derby to his long list of stakes victories this year. Brad has been a major supporter of the standard bread industry in Ontario for a number of years. And today we will talk to him and find out more about this pacing machine, Bulldog Hanover. Hanover and what we can look forward to going forward and also if there's maybe another Bulldog Hanover in the barn that we can look forward to watching this fall from the Brad Grant Stable. Also, well, Tuesday is the running of the second leg of the Canadian Triple Crown, the Prince of Wales Stakes at Fort Erie Racetrack. And friend of the show, Ashley Mayu, joins us shortly to not only break down the Prince of Wales Stakes, but also update us on what this handicapping guru has been up to since she was last on the show during the Prince of Wales last year. Remember, she was awesome. In addition, well, Katie Larson, who runs Southern Bell Thoroughbreds, a third-party intermediary service that assists in the rehoming and transitioning of racehorses into new careers, will join us on the first time on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. And shortly, we will meet Katie and find out more about the good work that her Southern Bell thoroughbreds have been doing over the past few years and finding homes for Woodbine and Fort Erie horses. That seems like a great story. And finally, while well, he's back, yes, co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and some other North American tracks that are racing today with their much-anticipated Ponies Picks today. As always, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. So to better get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news. This is Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce to you my co-host, Larry Simpson. Well, I tell you what, it's... um, a lot going on, Larry, a lot in the world, and a lot happening this past week in horse racing and around the world as well. Yeah, it is. And uh, I guess, you know, just this past week with the uh, the sad announcement of the Queen passing and, you know, and the special role that, uh, you know, you think back, the special role that uh, she played in, in, in horse racing and especially, you know, the Ascot meet and racing horses all over the world and a lot of people weren't aware of you know that she did have these horses and, and i always think back to one time and i just thought it was really strange because you were looking at the the racing form or the racing program on a picture and i remember it happened at woodbine one day and you saw the you were looking at the owners of the stakes race and you saw samson farms you saw winfield's farms and you saw this farm and then all of a sudden this horse came and all it said was the queen <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's what it would be listed as. That's what it was listed as, yeah. So it was that was something that I always remembered that uh, and you used to see it every once in a while when when she was racing a horse here. I believe it was twenty ten she was in Toronto at Woodbine for the Queen's Plate, mm-hmm. which was a big, big deal to have the Queen at Woodbine for the Queen's Plate. Uh there's no question that her connection to horse racing, to thoroughbred racing, to the sport, um, it was sincere and it was genuine. It was, and she loved Ascot. You know, in fact, I think she had a, a, a place right on Ascot, and she was she had her own uh, you know box that she sat in, and she it was like a seven, eight, ten day meet or that, and she was there every day. She loved it, and uh, she, uh, I, you know, I, I had heard that she, uh, you know, liked to, uh, you know, bet the bet the occasional horse, and and she was pretty pretty good at it, so. Now, friend of the show, a guest that was on last week while I was away moving kids around the province for university, Steve Buffery was in conversation with the CEO of Woodbine, Jim Lawson, and Jim saying whether or not the Queen's Plate would revert back to the King's Plate would not be made quickly out of respect to the late monarch. They'll be discussed at a board board meeting next week, and the decision will be made at the proper time. So, uh, and and you had pointed out for years it was the King's Plate. Well, I I believe, don't quote me, but I think it did start as the King's Plate, and then it got changed to the Queen's Plate uh, when uh, Queen Elizabeth came into uh, into the role as Queen. So. And she was Queen since 1952, and so yeah. for generations, I, you just assume, you forget, yeah, there was a King before her, so it makes sense. So um, the, the obviously Woodbine, um, after they do the due diligence and are respectful, mm-hmm. we'll hear more from Jim Lawson. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big loss for horse racing, but uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier especially on the show yesterday, Friday, the morning show, about all these things associated with the Queen, um, money, uh, names of races, uh, different things that will change now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's well, going to be very different. Yeah, and they, they did say that after she did watch the, the Queen's Plate this year, and after afterwards the 50 guineas were sent to... Uh, 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 Kevin Attard and and the owners of Oh, explain uh, that that legend. Yeah, that well, the um, basically there's not just the purse that the horses race for. It was a million dollar purse. Oh, but by tradition, there's I, I believe it's fifty guineas that come from the royal family as part of that uh, of that price. So it's a million dollars plus the fifty guineas, and you know, so she did watch the race, and the fifty guineas were sent to the owners of Moira and that. So fantastic.
Standard Bread owner Brad Grant joining us today. And Brad has been a longtime supporter of harness racing, especially in the province of Ontario. And over the years, he's had his share of stakes winners. But now a horse by the name of Bulldog Hanover may have taken Brad to a new level. Brad, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. Always enjoy it. Well, I mean, Larry's been talking about Bulldog Hanover for months, and he just he's in love with this horse. What what makes this such a special horse? Well, obviously, uh, what he's done this year, uh, you know, setting a world record, uh, he just seems to be able to find ways to win all the time. Um, he seems to have really attracted the interest of uh, our industry, and which is great. We need it. It reminds me a bit of when Sandpail was racing on the top of his game. He had a, you know, almost a cult following, and and Bulldog seems to be generating that interest too. Talk about uh, his performance last week in the Canadian Pacing Derby, Brad. Like, uh, were you kind of in awe of it? Um, yeah, I was. I mean, he just. You know, I mean, it was a big night, big crowd. Uh, it was a bulldog night. They had T-shirts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad he couldn't read the press and you know, <laughs> put pressure on himself. But he, he just, he just never seems to quit. And to tie the track record is, is you know, again, he's just an amazing animal. Well, great athletes and great horses seem to rise to the occasion. Bulldog Hanover seems to be no different, Brad. When did you get a sense that you this is just a horse a little bit different than others? Oh, I'd like to say I knew it from the from the beginning, but I'm not that smart. <laughs> um, you know, he finished really strong last year with his four wins down at uh, at Hoosier. Uh, one one night, he had an exceptional mile. He went a mile and forty eight in the mud. And uh, Jack put him away, and he just really believed that, you know, he was starting to come around. And, you know, he's kind of gone from being a boy to being a man from his three-year-old to his four-year-old year. And uh, he's bigger. He's stronger. Um, he, he just does not like to lose. So what's on the agenda for him for the rest of this season, Brad? Uh, pro- probably, what, the Breeders' Crown would be one? Yeah, basically, he has about six races left. Uh, um, two weeks is the Hoosier Park or Hoosier Pacing Derby, and then uh, the Dayton Pacing Derby right after that. And then he goes to Lexington for the Alarage, and then back here for the Breeders' Crown and finishes at the Meadowlands with the PVG. Uh, I think I think that's the plan. And then after the end of the season, you have a little break in the winter. What's the plans for 2023, Brad? Well, obviously, uh, we're looking at stallion opportunities for him. Um, uh, and then beyond that, uh, you know, last year he did double duty uh, as a stallion and a racehorse this year, but not sure that's the plan going forward. I really don't think he has much else to prove as a, on the racetrack. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll just go to the breeding shed. But again, that's something Jack and I will talk hmm. about later. Okay, talk about some of your other horses. First, you know, we ask you this question all the time. How many do you have? <laughs> uh, in case my wife is listening, I'm just going to say more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> good answer, good yeah. answer. <laughs> this is a wise man, Larry. Yeah, yeah. All right, talk about some of the other horses that, that, that you've got uh, pieces of or you own and that that uh, you know some of our listeners can probably relate to. 
Well, I, I have, uh, obviously, Howard Taylor and I have the full sister to Atlanta mm-hmm. um, that we bought at the Harrisburg sale. She's starting to come into her own. Kind of reminds me of her sister, you know, was a slow starter at two-year-old, but got better as the year went along. Uh, I have a, a number of Stay Hungry Colts. Obviously, I own Stay Hungry as a stallion. Um, you know, and they've they've all raced really well. That all the Stay Hungry seem to be um, doing great this year. I have one named Kopi Luak. I'm very high on. Um, he holds the fastest record of 49 and two for a two year old this year. And uh, of course, I always love watching Atlanta race. And you know, my overnights that I have up here. Um, American history, wheels on fire, and and the rest of them. So, is it possible to pick one horse racing highlight from your stable of horses over the years over another, or you just take it as it comes? Uh, it's really hard because I mean, I you know, I've had some really defining moments winning, you know, winning with Atlanta and Ramona Hill, uh, Ramona Hill, uh, winning the Hamiltonian with both of them were, you know, showstoppers at the time, but. You know, if I had to really sit down and pick something, I don't think it's just one race. I think it's um, the stretch of races that Bulldog had in, in 21 days. He raced four times at the Meadowland. You know, he goes in 47, 46, which ties the world record, comes right back in 46 and one, and then sets the world record on his fourth race. I think if I had to pick something that's really, really exciting, it's, it's, it's that 21-day group. That would do it's it. Amazing. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. Well, what's he going to do for an encore? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think everybody is excited that uh, to see what he can do, and, and we are too, obviously, to see what he can do in Lexington. I mean, if the track is right, there's no better place to be. Uh, you know, the track has to be right, the weather, no rain. You know, there's a lot of factors involved, but if everything's right, that that could be the big one. I mean, I hear so many people talking about they're going to Lexington, they're going to Lexington, you know, and it, and a lot of it's obviously the sale, but everybody's talking. They want to go there and watch him race. Hmm. Okay. Larry? Well, you came from a harness racing family. Was there any chance at all that you'd never end up in the business? Uh, you know what? I can honestly say yes. Oh, really? Oh, uh, Yep, I was out. I was out of the business for years, uh, working on growing my own my own business, and I really had no desire to be back in it. And uh, the late Ted Hunback showed up in my office one day, and he wouldn't leave until <laughs> I agreed to buy a horse. So from there, it, it it started again. And then you know, I spent a number of years with Ben Wallace, who is a great friend, and he really showed me or gave me a taste of what the high-end horses were like and being in the big races. And when he, he found Apprentice Hanover for me, that kind of gave me the the chance to see what the Grand Circuit uh, program was about. And uh, it, it just really grew from there. But I can honestly say I was not intending to be back in the business. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of the Grant Group of companies, uh, this sounds like something out of a movie. So, Brad, did, did, tell the listeners, how did the conversation go when you have a guy in your office and won't leave to you buy a horse? Well, it's funny. Teddy was uh, a Kingston boy, very laid back, and he walked into my office one day, and 
plopped out in the chair, and he says, I'm not leaving until you buy one, and I've got one for you. And I go, Teddy, I'm not interested. And <laughs> we bantered back and forth, and then I finally said, oh, what the heck? Okay, I'm in. But the funny side of the whole story is I owned half the horse. I had a partner. <laughs> oh. I, didn't, I did not know who my partner was. My dad and I are having lunch one day. My dad says, oh, I got a horse racing tonight. And I go, yeah, so do I. And he goes, uh, who you got? And I said the name of the horse. I can't remember right now. And he starts to laugh and he goes, oh, I own the other half. <laughs> so Teddy, who had horses for my dad, I, I think enjoyed the fact that we didn't know we owned the same horse together. So it was... Uh, it was quite comical. That's awesome. I, I'm laughing because I knew Ted. <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah. anyway. Great guy. Yeah, he was. He was. But uh, okay, when you're not uh, watching one of your horses race, uh, Brad, what do you do to relax? Well, I like to golf, and I've been golfing with the same uh, bunch of guys who put up with me uh, for years and years. Um, last year, we bought a cottage uh, up uh, in Aurelia for the family to enjoy, and uh We've really enjoyed it, and I have four beautiful grandchildren, the oldest one being three. So when they come, um, it's just a buzzsaw, but you know what? It's great. It just doesn't get any better than having them around. Uh, so, maybe for listeners who don't understand, uh, Brad, what what are the hockey ties with you and the Grant Group of Companies? Well, at one time, I obviously owned a junior team, a, junior, a Tier 2 Junior A team, and then over the years, I moved up uh, when I sold the team, uh, became finance chairman for the OHA, and then became chairman. Uh, but now I'm completely out of it. Um, the hockey world to me has completely changed. Mm. Uh, the new owners in, in junior hockey, it's all about money. It's not about development of the kids. And when I realized I couldn't uh, make a difference anymore, I decided it was time to leave. Hmm. So. Larry? Okay. All right. Now, uh, your your real business is the Grant Group of Companies. Uh, for our listeners, uh, talk about uh, you know what they're what they're all about. Well, uh, we're a specialized carrier. Um, we have uh, a number of divisions that just haul uh, dry bulk products, uh, cement, resins, plastics. Uh, we run uh, about four hundred units, uh, power units, and about 600 trailers on that. And then we have another couple of divisions that uh, just haul over-dimensional flatbed loads. And and as a side business, we also do uh, warehousing, both here here and in Montreal. Oh, Brad, I mean, Larry can drive a stick shift. He ever short a driver. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> he could talk horse racing, maybe drive a load for you. <laughs> well, the funny part is, you don't very often get a truck that's got a stick in it anymore. Oh. I mean, with, uh, with technology, um, automatics are the name of the game. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just I just remember, uh, you know, Smokey and the yeah. Bandit. And, yeah, uh, I, I'm better with an automatic. Actually, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Aren't Brad, we all? <laughs> Brad, thank you so much for doing this, and thank you so much for the success of Bulldog Hanover. It's given horse racing and harness racing fans in the province a lot of joy. Always appreciate our conversations. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, guys, thanks very much, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks. When we come back, Fort Erie's Ashley May, you will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Please stay tuned. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. 
Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Costa, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. Costa, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the Costa website at costaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Tuesday, Fort Erie Racetracks will host the 87th running of the Prince of Wales Stake, the second leg of the Canadian Triple Crown of Horse Racing, with seven horses entered to compete for the $400,000 purse. Ashley Mayu, one of Fort Erie's track handicappers and one of the top handicappers out there right now, joins us today to not only talk about Tuesday's Prince of Wales Stakes, but what she's been working on since the last spoke to her about this time last year. Ashley, always a pleasure. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Excellent, excellent. We're looking forward to Tuesday's uh, race at Fort Erie. Seven horses, uh, some interesting entrants. What's jumping out at you? Um, you know, kind of looking at the field, it's a little interesting. Obviously, I think everyone's, you know, a little bit disappointed to see the Philly not go in the Prince of Wales. But, you know, a lot of that also has to do with the calendar and how it's changed the last couple of years. Prince of Wales used to be run in July. So when you go back to maybe 2018 and years like that, Philly's like Wonder the Doe. She could... Gadot, I should say, was able to race in the in the Prince of Wales and also make the cotillion, which I think is kind of on the radar for the connections of the Philly that won the plate. So looking at the field of seven, um, you know, you look at the history of the Prince of Wales, and um, I haven't seen a bunch of them, but I've seen it my fair share. Um, she's going to be turning 29 in, in January, and remembering the last several years, um, speed is never a bad thing to have, especially on the dirt. Uh, the big question for some horses. Horses is the mile and three sixteenth. So in ways, Ironstone looks to be the controlling speed, and for him, um, that's the his best asset. I know he finished a distant fourth in the Queen's Plate, but um, you know he looks to be the pace setter in here, which I think makes him dangerous. The distance, though, will be the question for him. And you know, looking at the others in the field, I think uh, you know the morning line favorite, Sir, for sure, probably looks like the horse to beat. Larry, what about a horse like uh, Duke of Love? Duke of Love, you know, kind of looking at the, the race in the plate, didn't show too much. Um, you know, went off at 13-1, to 1, wasn't ice cold on the board, but certainly wasn't a favorite in there. And the one thing when you look at Duke of Love's kind of past performances, a two-time winner, one on debut sprinting, and then, you know, three starts, uh, two starts later, I should say, up at Woodbine, kind of making that uh, three-year-old debut is a pretty good performance. And I think uh, looking at his past performances, 
I know he's a little further off maybe in the plate and uh, in the Marine than in some of his other races, but I think he won't be too far off of it, which is maybe a good place to be in terms of where you're positioning yourself on the dirt in this race. With seven horses, how does that change your attitude and your strategy for handicapping the race? You know, you kind of have to figure out, uh, there's, there's a lot of unknowns here. The dirt being the big one when you look at the field and you look at the experience, you know, no one has uh, has tried the dirt. So that makes it tough. And I think looking at a field of seven, it's not, uh, you know, the largest field we've had in the race. It's not the smallest. So a lot comes into strategy. I mentioned Ironstone having the pace. So, you, you know, you're thinking in positioning of the race, he should be on the lead and trying to figure out kind of the rest of the puzzle, where horses are going to be. Um, how you think they'll take to the dirt. Um, and you kind of look at the workouts here. A lot of the horses do have workouts over the training track up at Woodbine, which is dirt. So it maybe gives you some sort of insight as to how they might uh, perform on race day over the surface. Well, let's talk about yourself now, uh, Ashley. Since you were on the show about this time last year, what have you been up to at uh, some of the other racetracks? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, just about the past year and a half, I was based out of Gulfstream Park in Florida and Hallandale Beach, uh, working for First Racing and was really lucky to have the opportunity, but I've decided to kind of uh, pave a different path for the time being. And full-time, I'm not going to be in racing. I'm going to go back on a different venture, but still looking to be involved. Um, had a really great year this past year uh, working for First was able to work the Preakness again, which is one of my favorite race days on the calendar. So to go down to Pimlico has always been really special, and it was my third time being able to work it. Uh, you know, been traveling a bunch for the company when I was with them, so it was a lot of fun to see different tracks. And, uh, you know, I was able to go to the Breeders' Cup out at Del Mar, which is my first time there. So it's been a, it's been a fun journey, and like I said, not full-time for racing for me anymore, but I definitely will find ways to stay involved. But Ashley, I mean, you, you're such a talented handicapper. Do you find going to these different tracks, you learn different things that maybe even you didn't know before? Oh, 100%. Um, I think, you know, each track is very different. And um, when you think about kind of where I started, Fort Erie, uh, Fort Erie paved the road for me. But when you go to other tracks, you learn um, sometimes there's bias, there's different surfaces. One of the things down at Gulfstream Park that has been really uh, interesting is we have three surfaces, uh, which is unheard of, but not only do we have turf and dirt, but uh, not too long ago, um, just about a year ago, we opened up a tapita track. So, uh, you know, that kind of changes your handicapping. Um, you know, not all synthetic surfaces are the same. And, you know, I can even go out when I went out to Del Mar, I had a bit of a tougher time handicapping the races. I don't follow California racing as uh, loyally as I do in other places. So, it was interesting to kind of, you know, look at the races out there. And then obviously that's even a bigger question mark because you have all the top race horses in the same place. So there's a lot of, you know, various factors that go into handicapping. And a lot of it is just knowing the circuit that you're, you know, you're wagering on. Hmm. Okay. You, you've watched a lot of races over the last few years and that is there one that still remains in your mind as probably the greatest race I ever saw? Well, I don't know if a lot of people would agree with me on this one, but one of the coolest things I saw was actually was quite a while ago. Um, growing up, um, I was always a big fan of Funny Side, the New York Bread, the Gutsy Gelding. Um, just as a kid, I thought that was so fascinating. And seeing when the Derby and see what he went on, went on to do and accomplish in his career, I actually got to see his last two wins, one of which was up at Woodbine in the Dominion Day Handicap. Um, which is really kind of a cool story because Richard Migliori rode him. And my first freelance role outside of Fort Erie in terms of horse racing 
was at Laurel Park. Um, and I got to work with Richard Migliori. So, you know, I showed him the photo and I thought that was so cool. He thought it was so, um, such a small world, you know, that there's this little girl with him in the Sakatoga stable silks. And, you know, now I'm working with him on air. So that was kind of a full circle story, but actually his last race that I saw him win at Finger Lakes was probably the coolest thing I had seen. It was a stakes race, but I think they put up a little extra purse money to get a mare in Sakatoga stables to come, you know, how they take the school bus. That was their big thing. And, they came to Finger Lakes, and when you think about a track, it's not a huge <laughs> track, but nope. um, to see how many people came there was truly magical. Um, you know, it rained before the race. It was really muddy, and the, the track was, you know, messy because of that, and he was covered in dirt, but he won the race, and it gave me chills. It wasn't, you know, watching the Derby live, um, but it gave me actually more chills than, you know, one of the derbies that I went to because I just thought it was so cool to see this horse you know, go through his career, he raced to an older age, and to see him go out with that, you know, I got to see his last win was huge. When did this lifelong passion for horse racing begin for you, Ashley? Uh, as a kid, honestly, uh, growing up, um, my parents, you know, my mom would work on the weekends sometimes at the hospital, so Fort Erie used to race a lot on the weekends back then, so we would just, you know, go from Buffalo and go over to Fort Erie, and I have pictures, um, we still have it in the envelope, when the Ontario Jockey Club uh, was in charge of Fort Erie, and it was in 1996. There was a picture of me as a little kid sitting on this, you know, fake horse statue <laughs> right, in the, at, right at Fort Erie. And um, I think, you know, I don't think I could have been a jockey much after that because I was a pretty big kid, but it was, uh, you know, it's just always fun to go to Fort Erie. And, you know, first it's kind of just looking at the horses and saying, wow, that one's prettier. I really like the name. And I think probably when I was six, six or so, I started to ask more questions and, um, you know, my favorite, I guess if you want to call it a textbook or a book ended up being the daily racing forum. And my dad started teaching me stuff and then I would learn more and kind of teach him things. So uh, a lot had to do with Fort Erie. I went to Saratoga a bunch and just traveling as, uh, as a kid on vacations with my family. I was lucky to go to a lot of different places and mom really liked the beach and dad liked the racetrack. So we'd go <laughs> to the beach for a couple of days and then try to hit a new racetrack to keep everyone happy. And, uh, it's been crazy. I've been over to 50 tracks, you know, both thoroughbred wow. and, and uh, standard breads combined, but it's been, been a wild ride. And I would never, you know, imagine that, you know, as, as a kid, that it would lead to this today. Okay. Talk about your, your handicapping now. Do you have a few angles that you, you like to use that you, maybe you can share with our listeners? Yeah, there's a couple things. I mean, obviously when, you know, it depends what kind of races you're looking at, but, you know, um, I always find it interesting if you're looking at sprint racers and, you know, you see a horse, um, he doesn't necessarily have to be the pace setter in those races, but he could be close to the lead and he stretches out to two turns. You, I always think that's an interesting angle to maybe look at because some of those horses can get to the front and control things um, better than the rest of the field can. Blinkers on, obviously, is a big, you know, equipment change. And I think a lot of people look into that and kind of look at horses based on how they were running before. Um, you know, and, and then for me, it just, I'm always looking for horses that are improving. Um, I, I love betting maiden races because they're kind of, uh, they're, they're a crap shoes in a lot of ways. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, they're young horses or they're just inexperienced. And so for me, I always look at horses, maybe their first couple starts and how they performed. Um, you know, they don't have to be second or third in those races, but if they can kind of show a path to developing as a race horse, um, I always find them intriguing and the big thing for me is I always try to look for value. I know I gave out a pretty, pretty uh, chalky horses in the Prince of Wales this year in terms of my horses that I like, but 
I'm always looking for a price horse. Um, you know, if you can't win, maybe you can get second. I can get a good exactor or a good trifecta going. And, um, you know, some of those horses get kind of underlooked because oh, they're not quite, you know, hitting the board yet in their first couple races. But I think if they show signs of improvement, you can really get a good, uh, you know, price on them. You know, and to wrap up, Ashley, I really liked the, on your social media, you posted a photo, a video, I should say, of the queen cheering on a horse at the Gold Cup of Royal Ascot in 2013. And Larry and I have talked about this before. She really did like her horse racing. Oh, I mean, she's such a huge loss for, you know, uh, the world in a lot of ways and the racing community. Um, she was a big advocate for it. She supported it. And I saw that video. Someone had posted it and I retweeted it. I mean, to see the joy on the queen's face about racing and um, you know, that's how a lot of us feel. We loved racing, but to see it from the queen, I thought was huge. And she loved, loved her horses. So, um, you know, she's going to be greatly missed throughout the world, but as I said, the racing community as well. Ashley, an absolute pleasure. Enjoy the race on Tuesday. It should be a really good one. We'll talk down the road. Take care. Sounds good. It's going to be my first time since uh, COVID back at the fort. So I'm looking forward to it. Guys. Yeah, we all are. Okay. <laughs> talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> see Bye-bye. ya. After the break, when we come back, Katie Larson will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Please stay tuned. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com slash horse dash ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at COSAonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, Katie Larson of Southern Bell Thoroughbreds joining us today. And over the past couple of years, Katie has been repositioning Thoroughbreds racing at both Fort Erie and Woodbine into new homes and disciplines. Katie... Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Larry and I are fascinated by the whole idea <laughs> of uh, repositioning these thoroughbreds and finding them new homes. How did you get into this? Um, so basically how it started, I grew up riding my whole life. Um, and I was actually looking for my own horse, something cheap, a project. And I came across my horse on the internet, she was an ex racehorse and she was just finishing her career at the track. So I purchased her fresh off her racing career. 
And from then, I sort of just became interested in her history and her past. And I contacted her old trainer and started going to the racetrack and got my exercise riding license. And everything just sort of started from there for me. Um, coming from the, the show world, uh, the equestrian show world, I noticed all the horses. And I'm like, wow, these horses are there's some beautiful looking animals here. And naturally, they're all going to eventually need a place to go when they're finished racing. So started with one horse. Uh, it was just a small idea without any real big intent. And it just very quickly evolved and started with one horse that I placed to um, an old connection of mine in the show world. And then it sort of just spread from barn to barn at Fort Erie and trainers just started using me for that. Larry? And it, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll, mm -hmm. t we'll talk about Southern Bell Thoroughbreds. Like you were explaining it to me the other day, you don't have a farm. Instead, you're like a broker, right? You put the horse and the uh, new owner together. Is that the way it works? Exactly, exactly. So the, I guess the simplest way to explain it, I'm essentially a facilitator. So I facilitate the adoption for the racehorses and straight from the track. So I'll get, I'll get a phone call from one of the trainers or owners that, um, they're ready to let a horse go for whichever reason. There's a number of reasons. And so I'll go over, I'll take the pictures, do a little jog video, and and then I write the ads, and I put them on my platform, which is uh, Facebook and Instagram. And from then, they, I have probably seven, 8,000 followers now on the Facebook page. And the second a horse gets posted, it's within minutes I'm getting inquiries and messages and um, and then from there, I'm able to facilitate secure an adoption to a good home. And then the horses are usually just picked up from the truck. So they stay there until I've found them an appropriate place to go. And, and I guess you would vet the potential new homes like you would adopting anything else that they have to go through a procedure before they just say, hey, I'd like to adopt one of these horses? <laughs> exactly. So in uh, doing this for about five years now uh, and having built such a great network of people from the equestrian world. I, I have, a, I, I know a lot of people, there's a lot of word of mouth, but um, everybody has to go through a process. It's always a phone call. I always speak to the people, kind of find out what they're looking for. And because not every horse is going to be a good, every horse has their own, you know, some horses are a little more flighty than others. Some are quiet. So I try to, based on the information that I've been given and, and my meet and greet with the horse, I'll try to match the horse best with that individual um so so yeah and then i have contracts in place for for every horse so that's for, for the protection of course of the trainer um so they have a contract just making sure that the animals it's finished racing will no longer be racing that they're going into a good home and that we have right to refusal so if the individual decides for whatever reason that they don't want to um keep the horse or they want to resell the horse we're always in the loop on where that animal is going once they've passed through our hands. And for the listeners, you go to the Southern Bell, uh, Southern Bell Thoroughbreds uh, Instagram or Facebook, you can see the horses that are being adopted and the story behind them, uh, maybe their personality traits of the horse, their history and where they're located and gives you an idea that's just not a horse. There's, there's a story behind the horse as well. Exactly. So I think that's what differentiates me between some of the other people that are, you know, also trying to help these horses find homes is, I spend a lot of time writing my ads and getting as much background information as I can. Then when somebody is looking at my page and, and a horse catches their eye, 
there's a lot they can read about the horse. So it eliminates, you know, I, I get a lot of messages, so that eliminates too much back and, and forth because most of the questions have been answered. So, and I work with a lot of great trainers um, who are pretty straightforward with me. So if there's been past injuries or if there's any vices, anything I need to know, I can put that in the ad so that the, the buyer can make an educated decision. Okay. How did you come up with the idea of like being a broker and how'd you come up with the name Southern Bell? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was actually hoping you weren't going to ask me that. Because <laughs> it's, really, <laughs> it's really just, um, there's no big story behind it. So my mare that I took off the track initially, her, her racing name was Mia Bella Amore. So I used to call her Belle, and then I used to just call her my little Southern Belle. And, and so that's sort of where it came from. It was really just a nickname. Well, that's a story. Um, yeah, it is to yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I found it catchy. I mean, I've heard it in songs, and I just think there's a ring to it. Yeah. I, I so mean, it stuck. obviously, this is a, not just a business for you. It's a passion. You must get a lot of personal enjoyment of seeing these horses uh, repositioned and put into new homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, essentially, this is a business, but I don't, I don't look at it like it's a business. Um, without sounding corny, it's, I feel like it's my sole purpose in life, and just, I've just sort of fallen into this, and I feel like it's my path, and it's what I'm supposed to be doing, because I love horses. I, I grew up riding. Horses have been healers for me in my life, so um, if I'm able to give back to them in, in some way, which I, I feel I'm doing, then... It's, it's huge fulfillment for me. So I, I love it. I love getting the stories afterwards. I get updates all the time. Um, on my website, there's a where are they now tab. Mm. So you can see tons of horses and their new careers and what they're up to. So that's just the best part for me. Okay, talk about some of these horses and, and these new careers and these new disciplines. Uh, like mm -hmm. where, where, What disciplines do they end up in usually? Yeah, so... Actually, it's it's funny. So back in the day, thoroughbreds, they were always the most popular sport horse breed. So if you watch the Olympics in the 50s and 60s, talking about Jimmy Alder, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Jimmy Day, Tom Gates, Bayford, everybody rode thoroughbreds. And, you know, that, that sort of eventually got overshadowed by, by the big, beautiful warm bloods. And as of, I'd say, probably the past five, ten years, the thoroughbreds, it's coming full circle. They're making a comeback. And you're seeing them more and more in competitions at high levels. So people people are starting to recognize their athletic abilities. And they're, I'm placing them in all kinds of disciplines. Three-day eventing is huge. Um, I recently got an update of a horse that's encroaching on Olympic-level eventing right now just because their stamina, right? They, they can keep up their... They're so athletic. So we, we place a lot of horses in eventing, a lot go for the hunter ring because of their builds, their um, athletic builds. And Western, some of the smaller horses that I've had a harder time moving have gone to polo pony homes. So really, it's they're going all over the place. And there's big, big emphasis now on off-track thoroughbreds. And a lot of horse shows now, they have specific divisions for horses to compete who were racehorses. So there's a big movement on it now. And that's why I think we've been so popular and successful in being able to, to move them along quickly. 
I guess this might be a silly question to some, but there are probably a few listeners out there going, well, can I just have a horse as like a pet? These are not the kind of horses that become pets. Am I correct? Um, no, not exactly pets, but there are some horses who have unfortunately had to retire for injuries, right? So not every horse is able to go on and have a thriving career. Some of them have injuries where they're not, really not be able to do much physically. Mm. So some of those horses, um, I have, I have a group of people that, um, take on rehab horses and they'll give them the time and, you know, the time off. And oftentimes these horses will go as companion horses or pleasure horses where it's simply just light trail riding. And some people want a therapy horse. Horses are used for therapy a lot. So I've sold horses into those types of places too. Where there's no big physical demand, but just having the animal there is helping. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Katie, if, if we have some listeners that are interested in getting in touch with you, maybe they, maybe they want to get a horse uh, for another discipline or maybe for rehab purposes or that, how do they reach you? Mm-hmm. So my email is on the website. And then you can send me a message through the Facebook page. I'm on there constantly. I'm, <laughs> I'm honed into my social media all the time. So if anybody reaches out to me, they'll get an answer for sure within, within the same day. Um, so, yeah, you can email me or just send me a message through my, my social media platforms. And on their Instagram, you can go, they have a link to the website, southernbellthoroughbreds.com. You can go right to there as well, or send a DM to Katie. But Katie Larson, uh, now officially friend of the show, yep. Larry. Uh, great work, a great story. I love what you're doing to repurpose these thoroughbreds and find a diverse home for them and give them a second and third chance in life. That's fantastic. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll look forward to it. Talk to you down the road. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Have a great day. You Bye. too. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So make sure that your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stick with us for Larry's always much anticipated Ponies Picks today, sponsored by Rocket Chip Racing. We will be right back. Stay tuned. Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to ontarioracing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering platform and the Dark Horse app the best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. 
Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. All right, then, before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be with a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks Today, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. And after the Bills' big win Thursday night over the Rams and the NFL kickoff, he is in a good mood. I'm pumped. You are. I'm pumped. I got my uh, Josh Allen t-shirt on. so You don't fill it out quite like him. No <laughs> offense. Oh, no, I do fill it out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's get to some horse racing here. Let's start at uh, Woodbine. They have a 10-race card today, including the running of the Toronto Cup Stakes at one mile on the turf for a purse of $125,000. But I'm looking at race 10. It's a maiden special weight for two-year-olds, seven furlongs on the turf, purse of $95,000. Number two, do the gritty. That's the horse's name. That's a dance. Yeah. The Gritty? It is, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe he'll dance his way into the winner's circle. Yes, that is a dance the kids do, yeah. I hope so. Okay. Uh, Number two, Do the Gritty, makes his racing debut for friend of the show, trainer Kevin Attard, and is by the sire Cantharis, who was sired as a sire, has sired 15% two-year-old debut winners and 14% winners on the turf. Uh, Do the Gritty shows three back-to-back five-furlong work since August 19th. Has been working fairly regularly since July the 2nd, so that's pretty uh, good spacing there. Kevin Attard has won with two first-time starters already on on the grass this year, and both of those happened in August. And uh, he also uh, looks uh, as one uh, some two in in the Maiden Special Weight uh, company that he's in today. So. Uh, I think he looks to have another shot today to win another with Do the Giddy. Uh, and I should say, Do the Giddy will be ridden by Rafael Hernandez today. And if that ring uh, rings a bell, oh, they and he and Kevin Attard had a little recent success with a horse by the name of Moira. Oh, yes. I, yeah. Did they ever? <laughs> so we have some winning connections there, too. So I'm going to Woodbine, race 10, number two, Do the, the Gritty. Gritty. <laughs> Easy for you to say. The gritty. And yeah. next? And I'm going to, when I go home, I'm going to Google to find out what the gritty oh, is. Oh, yeah. You'll yeah. be in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to uh, Kentucky Downs. Uh, they have a stakes-filled card today, including race nine, which is the $1 million grade two turf sprint at uh, six furlongs on the turf, because that's all they do is race on the turf at Kentucky Downs. Number five, Arzac, is a colt that is probably very familiar to Woodbine regulars as his trainer, Michael Trombetta, has been racing regularly here at Woodbine. And that includes Arzac, who's had three starts at Woodbine so far this year, with wins in the Thorncliffe and Jacques Cartier Stakes, and a close second-place finish in the Grade 2 Highlander Stakes at Woodbine. Uh, Arzac's last race was a close fourth in the Troy Stakes at Saratoga, 
which saw him beaten only three quarters of a length in this grade three event. Uh, in his three races at Woodbine, Mike Trombetta enlisted the services of one of Woodbine's top riders, Kazuki Kazuki Kamura, who wasn't aboard Arzac in the Troy at Saratoga, but it's interesting that today at Kentucky Downs, Kamura has been enlisted to ride Arzac again, which I think is a very strong positive move. He obviously knows his horse quite well. He's a horse that likes to win races with 5 of 15 wins lifetime. He certainly has been working well leading up to today's million-dollar race, and I like his chances. So Kentucky Downs, race 9, number 5, Arzac. Okay, excellent. Next? Well, Delmar, they're in their final weekend before they uh, they shut down, and they have an 11-race card today. Uh, the curtain, as they say, is coming down on the summer meet this weekend. But uh, race 11 is a maiden special weight. It's one mile on the turf as well, with a purse of $80,000 for fillies and mares, three and up. Number nine, Kitty Katana, did everything in her last race but win the race. Uh, she missed the break in that uh, August 4th race where she closed with a rush, rush to finish second, missing the victory by a head. That was Kitty Katana's first race since February 12th, uh, where she had raced at Santa Anita, a race that happened to be the grade three Sweet Life Stakes. Uh, that's a race that saw Kitty Katana bet down to favoritism and saw her basically forced out and bumped in the stretch, but she still finished third, and that's in a stakes event. Um, and it, which is very, I guess, flattering for this horse because she was a maiden in against winners and she was a beaten favorite in a stakes race. So, you know, that, uh, that shows that this horse, I think, has some promise. Uh, Kitty Katana has had four races lifetime, three seconds and a third, so she hasn't missed the board. Uh, she shows four good workouts coming in today's race and looks like it's all systems go today. So Delmar, race 11, number nine. Kitty Katana. And, and we should point out this race, finally, they're emerging from that horrible heat wave on Southern California. So maybe the race conditions a little better than they were like this time last week where it was in triple digits. Well, I think you're right too, because a lot of horses weren't performing the way that you thought they were going to perform. And I think it was just the heat. And, and uh, They had record-breaking heat? They did. They did. And, uh, you know, so, and it, these, these horses aren't machines, right? No, so, no. Uh, so uh, their thermostats were probably overheating, <sighs> oh, I, I would say. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, it's, uh, you know, good racing in, in California this weekend. And uh, as they, they shut down the Del Mar meet. So, and what's but, next? Okay, let's go to Woodbine Mohawk Park. They have a 13 race card tonight. Uh, race 10 is an open handicap, one mile pace for a purse of uh, $52,000. Number six, this is my favorite horse. This is my favorite name, Desperate Man. <laughs> when, I, when I'm looking for a winner, I'm a yeah. desperate, desperate man. Yeah. He, uh, he picked up a small share of the purse in last week's uh, Canadian Pacing Derby behind some horse by the name of Bulldog Hanover, right? So, and his... Second place finish behind the Bulldog in the Pacing Derby elimination the week before would certainly qualify this uh, Desperate Man to be good enough to win uh, tonight's Open event. Since the layoff, Desperate Man looks to have come back as a horse that is you know, pretty much rounding into shape. And of course, there's no Bulldog Hanover in tonight's race to, for Desperate Man to even go up against. So um, I think Desperate Man is now on a regular rotation, which is really helping uh, he looks like he's just coming into his form now. I'd love to get odds somewhere close to his morning line of seven to two tonight, but uh, so fingers crossed, maybe we will. But I really think this horse got a big shot tonight. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race ten, number six, 
desperate man. Outstanding as always, my friend. Goodbye, and thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. As always, a reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7, the magazine, which was released recently, email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And please don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign. Don't horse around with lymphoma. For more info on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma ca slash ponies and donate to the cause. Stick around 105.9 The Region all weekend long. The legend and Romer's up next with York Region's only magazine show, The Feed. I'll be back here Monday morning. Enjoy the races. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Loving it. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.